grab your wine, put your headphones on and relax. Let's rip open the cover of the sealed section. Welcome to After Dark with Louise Wilkinson. The weekend is nearly upon us. Perhaps a little bit of the moon's magic has rubbed off on you this week and you're itching to connect with your divine feminine or masculine this weekend. Lipstick After Dark always gives you plenty to think about each and every Thursday night, so let me encourage you to melt into your couch, dim the lights and let the stories wash over you with maybe more than a couple of tips to try out this weekend as it approaches. We have you covered or uncovered as the case may be. Tonight, we have, as always, the most fabulous of all drag queens, Timberlina, answering your sex and relationship questions in her own outrageous style. We welcome Luke Skews to the show with something a little bit out of the box for the lads. Our resident sex and relationships therapist, Gabrielle Laurie, unpacks the New South Wales consent laws announced this week. And Nikki from Flirt Adult Store hooks us up with the hottest gadget to rock your world on the Quickie with Nikki. Are you ready? If Disneyland taught us anything, it's that the wildest rides are often the best. Feel the fear and do it anyway. This is Lipstick After Dark. Want some love and sex advice? Searching for the answer to your complex, confusing or downright awkward questions. The queen of the Newcastle drag scene is in the building. It's time for In Bed with Timberlina on After Dark. I know it's the section you've all been waiting for. It's time to welcome back Timberlina. How are you today? Hello. Thanks for having me. It's good to be back again. Ah, oh, always a revelation. How was your week this last week? It's good. I always get so excited to come in and do this. Like, I feel like I look forward to it every week. Yes. I get to learn so much about people's sex lives. <laughs> I know. It's always juicy, isn't it, to get like a little insight into into the everyday man. Yes. Yes. It is, yeah. I agree. What we really love here is that people are so willing to share their stories and and their experiences uh, with us. We really do appreciate your transparency. And you know that you can reach out to myself, to Timberlina, or to the Newcastle Live text line at any point with your questions. And, of course, your identity is protected if you're going to, you know, say something right out. Yeah, totally, yes. Yeah. (laughs) Unfortunately, that's not the case for us. So, (laughs) all right. Here we are. First question. Dear Timberlina, my boyfriend and I have been together for eight months. We say we love each other and we have met each other's families. And I feel like we're pretty serious. He also isn't afraid of commitment. (laughs) Big tick. (laughs) It's different, isn't it? Okay. He regularly makes plans in advance and clearly considers me to be an important part of his his life. Okay. I'm not seeing a problem yet. Why then... Has he still not deleted all of his dating apps from his phone? I don't think he's actually using them, but it still bothers me that they're there. Can I ask him to delete them or does that mean that I don't trust him? Why else would he still have them unless he wanted to be able to explore what's out there? Tinderina into Ralba. <laughs> oh, it's always these dating apps that I feel like get people on the edge. Well, one, 
Um, he says that he loves you and he is committed to you. I see if he is committed to you and you confront him about it, he's probably going to delete them. Like, he probably doesn't even think about them, mm. to be honest. And obviously you're going through his phone to try and find stuff. So, like, mm. do you... I, obviously you have a little bit of trust issues, but just confront him. He'd probably just delete them straight then and there if he, like, really loves you. You know what I love? Um, you know, I have friends that, that are sort of... Um, they've, you know, been on dating apps or whatever and and they come and they're outraged and they go, such and such who they've been seeing, and but not probably to this extent, but, you know, they changed their Tinder profile picture. They're still active and it's like, how do you know that unless you're still on active. Tinder? Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, darling, you're both active then. <laughs> Yeah, look, I, I really feel that, that dating apps are a bit of a rabbit hole. Oh, they really are. They're so I was just like this week thinking that I should delete all mine. Yeah. I got off them a while ago because I just... <laughs> how many times can you... People like, yeah, I don't know about you, but, you know, I do all right when I turn them on and I get a bit flooded. I mean, the inbox gets a bit flooded. Um, that didn't sound right. But... <laughs> <laughs> But I don't know how many times I can people go, oh, they're not very original. How was your day? How was your day? How was your day? So yeah. I just I just copy and paste the answer. Yeah, copy and paste throughout <laughs> the whole time. Oh, they're like horrible. And you see the same people yes. all the time. So for you darling out there, tell him to delete them. And if he doesn't want to delete them, then delete him. <laughs> Great advice. Heard it here first. Unless he's got a good dick, then keep it. <laughs> yeah. On the side, why don't you, to use a dating app term, bench him, girlfriend? Yes. Yes. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> All right. Next one. I've been with my boyfriend for four months and he's great. But his work schedule sucks. He works nights. So when he's up, I'm sleeping and vice versa. It's like having a weekend boyfriend. Is it worth bringing it up or should I call it quits? Sleepless in Singleton. Ooh. I mean, I feel like we've talked about this before, maybe, where we've talked about calendar management. (sighs) You're the queen of it. (laughs) I am the queen of calendar management. You give me a girlfriend. You know what? You sit me down with your schedule. I will find you time for sex. Maybe they need to get that um, calendar fly, whatever it's called, that app where they can, like, book in sessions. Yes. Calendly. Calendly, yeah. 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 You know I'm a fan of that. And it syncs to your Google Calendar. I know this isn't supposed to be a show about (laughs) organisation, but, you know, look, it's it's led us down this path. And, you know, as someone who has four separate calendars that all sync together, I feel that you can find the time. If you want it, you're going to find the time. Exactly. Exactly. There's got to be crossover, hasn't there? Yeah. Like, are you both in bed at the same time before... The one person gets out, like... Yeah. It only takes him 30 seconds. You can start half an hour before. 29 minutes, I think we worked out. We did. <laughs> so you start 29 minutes before. Yes. And then he's got a minute left. And then, boom, you're both done. Exactly. Efficiency. Yeah. That's what we love. <laughs> we love it here. <laughs> <laughs> Calendar management and efficiency. 
probably doesn't answer your question, but that's how we're going to answer it today. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, this is this is kind of in the same vein. Ooh. Oh, I know you love a bit of good vein. Anyway, <laughs> I'm not going to lie, do you? <laughs> Don't we all? All right, my partner. <laughs> Want sex every morning, and I get mad when I would rather sleep. He wakes up at 5 a.m. Mm. <laughs> mm, what a problem. Um, how do you address the issue without offending him? I need to get some well deserved shut eye. Morning Wood in Woodville. <laughs> Morning Wood in Woodville. That's hilarious. Um, gets up early. Yeah. I mean, some of the mornings I get up at 4 30 to go to the gym for a mm. 15 class, but like. Just do it. Like, if it, this is the person that's from the other half of the relationship <laughs> from before, I mean, take it while you get it, right? Or, like, send them my way. I'll wake up at 5am and do it. <laughs> <laughs> I'll take one for the team. Yeah. He's probably a tradie. Yeah. You know? That's what it sounds like. Yeah, and he's going to get into his hot high-vis and yeah. go off to work and leave you satisfied, and you can go back to sleep for a couple of hours. Like, it's, it's yeah. a win-win. I feel like sex makes you a little bit sleepy sometimes anyway, so it's probably going to get you well, back that's, to sleep. Well, that's a boy thing. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, but, look, you can snuggle snuggle back in for, you know, like a couple of hours and, you know, then get up at seven and start your day. I don't, I don't think it's the worst thing. Oh, it's not the worst thing at all. There's people crying out for sex left, right and centre and then... They're starving in <laughs> Africa. <laughs> That's me. That is me, to believe it. <laughs> so I feel like just take it, go back to sleep and wake up at your usual time. And stop whinging. Yeah. <laughs> Think of me. <laughs> Not getting any. Oh. This is what I get. The most action I get is coming in here and listening to your stories. <laughs> Yeah, that's what you get for being booked and blessed. (laughs) Better better diary management for you, my friend. Mm, We could all use a few little tweaks in our calendar to Uh make sure that we're, you know. Getting the rump in the sheets. Absolutely. (laughs) Speaking of, what are you doing this week? (laughs) What am I doing? I'm actually very busy. Apart from not having sex. Yeah, not having sex. Mm. Well, you know that um, every Thursday I'm at Five Sawyers and then I've got Divas on the Green, which is a a charity fundraiser. It's sold out um, at Merriweather Golf Club. We raise money for the breast cancer and um, Westpac helicopter. Excellent. And I'm in a green, like a golf tee-off area, and it's mainly just the party area. Excellent. everyone gets drunk. Great. That seems like the best area to be on a golf course. It's so (laughs) funny. You just see all these people come to me, like, from their greens, and I'm just like, oh, you're not meant to be here, but they just stay. And then on Saturday, I'm in parks, so... Back out west again. Doing the miles. I love it. I hope you have a reliable car. I do. A good Ford Focus. Oh, bless. That's packed with wigs and costumes. <laughs> oh, I love it. I love it. There's nothing like, there's nothing like, I remember, you know, as you know, I'm in performing arts as well. And, you know, one of the one of the downfalls to some of my relationships um, at certain times was that I remember one time uh, he found glitter in his mashed potato. Um <laughs> Just eat it. <laughs> exactly. Like, can never have too much glitter, can you? No, I've probably eaten 
piles and piles of it. Absolutely. So yeah, I'm I'm all down with it with a car with sequins and a and a mashed potato with a bit of glitter. <laughs> yeah, yum, <laughs> yum. All right. Well, you have a uh, booked and blessed weekend, my friend. Thank you. And I will see you next week. See you all next week. That was Tim Valina. You're listening to Lipstick After Dark on Newcastle Live Radio. We all know the brain is the biggest sex organ, so it's no wonder there's a fair bit of psychology behind our sexual practices. Our resident sex and relationships therapist, Gabrielle Laurie, helps us navigate our way around the bedroom, or whichever room takes your fancy. What head are you thinking with on After Dark? We're all very clear on the concept of no means no with the Consentus T video that has had millions of views on YouTube, a perfect example of that in practice. Once we offer someone a cup of tea, it is their choice if they would like tea or not. We shouldn't force them to drink tea and we shouldn't make them tea if they're unconscious. We should also not expect that they want tea because they wanted tea last week. On Tuesday of this week, our New South Wales Attorney General Mark Speakman fronted the press. His agenda? To announce sweeping changes to the laws around sexual consent in New South Wales to something called an affirmative consent model. Here's what he had to say. There cannot be consent unless the party in question has said something or done something to communicate consent. The clearest example would be um, where explicit words are used. Um, would you like to make love? It may be that um, in response to that question, party B makes a hand gesture, um, nodding, nodding of a head. In essence, this changes our current no means no model to a yes means yes. Verbal or affirmative head nodding or hand gestures must be obtained in the first instance, but also for each individual sex act that may be performed as part of a lovemaking session. We know that only 3% of sexual assault charges result in conviction, and we certainly need to move away from victim blame. But in discussions with male friends this week, there has been a lot of confusion around what these laws do mean for men. So to discuss this, we're going to have a robust discussion with the fabulous Gabrielle Laurie from Thrive Wellness Hub, who is our sex and relationships therapist for Lipstick After Dark. Welcome back, Gabrielle. Thanks for having me. So were these laws welcomed by you when you heard them from from the Attorney General this week, Gabrielle? Absolutely. They're a good first small step. And I suppose why they've come about is because many sexual assault victims uh, can go into the freeze response. Yes. So uh, it doesn't look like they're saying no, Mm -hmm. but they don't have access to that part of their brain. So when they're scared, they're in their flight, fight or freeze response. They're in their amygdala. They're flooded with stress hormones. Yes. And their survival strategy their body kicks into is freeze. So they don't have access to their prefrontal lobe, impulse control, rational thought, where they can say, no, stop, this is not okay, it's not what I want. Yes, okay. So these laws have come about to say, well, you actually act, you have to hear or have a very clear yes now. Right. So that will protect these victims that have the freeze response because they can't, you know, you can't say a very clear yes. So then a guy will know if she hasn't said a very clear yes, verbally and body language wise and everything, you know, then it's not a yes. 
Right. She might be frozen. Yes, I understand that. Uh, I did have a thought because uh, obviously this has been uh, a big topic of discussion and uh, you know what, that's fantastic that it is a big topic of discussion and yes. everybody is talking about it uh, in an open forum which is a massive step forward. But I did have a, th- a, a thought about uh, those those trauma responses and we do have fight well, fight back. We do have, uh, we do have uh, freeze, freeze, we, and we do have, uh, you know, flight, run, flight. Yes, thank you. <laughs> Sorry, yeah. she, she's the expert. That's why we have her here. Um, but there oh, is plenty for me to learn too. <laughs> but there is another one called fawn, which is a people pleasing yes. thing. So in, and I'm sure that we've all done this. You know, someone said to us, "Oh, look, can you go to the shops for us?" And we've kind of gone, "Sure, you know, I'll go to the shops for you." It's the last thing you feel like doing uh, but that person that's asked you is convinced that you that you don't mind going to the shops for them and in fact it's it's a pleasure to go to the shops that fawn one has me a little bit uh, in in this context uh, yeah yeah um, so we're at the pub and there is uh, you know I'm a I'm a single man I see a woman across the bar. She's making eyes at me. It's all going very well. I ask her to come back to my place and we've had a couple of drinks. Things start heating up. What should I be communicating to her and what should she be communicating to me to make sure that this is a consensual act that we're about to embark on? I suppose firstly... uh if she's slurring or stumbling or spilling her drinks, she cannot give consent. Yes. So, uh, and vice versa. So, best off calling a taxi or, or you know, doing things to meet up for sex another day when right. you're more sober. Yes. But if you're only just a bit tipsy, um, you're looking for enthusiastic consent. Mm. You're actually uh, saying, wow, you just so gorgeous I'd really love to have sex with you are you up for it and she might say oh yeah great yes Uh, so that's enthusiastic consent I really want you too god you're beautiful you know yeah Uh, it's very clear and you know if you touch her shoulder she might start touching your chest Mm. and if you grab her bum and she might start stroking your crotch yeah you know they're very clear and if there's no fear of danger, she can't give consent, really, if you're her university professor. In any position of power mm-hmm. above her, she might be worried about not uh, passing her uni project. Yes. So yes. she might be saying yes when she doesn't want to because she's scared of failing university yeah. and she has very strict parents. Yeah. So. There's so many things to be aware of. You're best off researching it. If Mm. there's any power imbalance or any fear that she might have, if you're her boss at work, she might fear losing her job and having no money and then losing her house. Yeah. So that abuse of power is certainly coercion. Yeah. But if you've met at a bar and and you're not knowing each other in that way and you're not intoxicated and you're giving each other clear verbal and physical yeses, uh, then, you know, you, you're getting positive yes, yes. Com- confirmation and consent. Right. 
But there's many other factors, so we can only touch on it briefly in this segment. Yeah, uh, and it is very new as well. So, you know, we yeah. should we should make sure that, that we're clear that neither Gab or I are uh, legal eagles and yeah. we're having a discussion about what we understand to be the legislation that has been tabled. In another instance, there is also consent that has to be given in a committed relationship, isn't there? Absolutely. And I see this all the time amongst couples where um, after the honeymoon period, um, they have very mismatched libidos. Mm. And if you don't have much sex education around this, some guys might feel like, well, I feel tricked or misled. She wanted sex every day with me for the first six months. What's happened? But it's very normal. The honeymoon period is not sustainable. That's nature's way of us getting together and breeding, you know, or, you know, just getting together. It's chemistry, but it's not, we might be doing all five love languages and we haven't got mortgages and kids and stress and tax and all of that stuff to be doing. So the the sex drives plateau after the first six months or 12 months or two years. And when they plateau, uh, often one person has a higher sex drive than the other. And no one is abnormal and no one's doing it on purpose. This is just our normal biology. Even same-sex couples will have mismatched libidos. Yes. But the pursuer distance cycle can start where the pursuer will often feel, you know, rejected or unwanted or, or unattractive and may start to feel a bit down or frustrated, like, what's happened? Do you not love me anymore? Or... Um, if they're really insecure, they might start thinking you're having an affair or something like that. And that's when abuse can start or mm. sexual coercion. Yes. The lower drive partner might be beating themselves up going, oh, am I abnormal? What's wrong with me? Um, or they might feel smothered or controlled or, God, I better wear a tracksuit and not give them any hugs because might, they might think I should do more. And so they become very avoidant because they're scared. They can't keep up with that high drive partner. And they might have tried at the beginning to keep up with the higher drives partner level level of sexual desire because they love them, but it's exhausting, mm. you know? Yeah, I get it. I yeah. Get it. So that's where, yeah, sexual co- coercion can start. Yes. Now, I guess what the message that we that and as we said, this is very new. So there's a there's a lot of uh, we're throwing scenarios out and and sort of. Um, you know, workshopping how that would look. So I guess the takeaway is that we really need to be extremely clear on what we have consent to do. And so if we are going, we might have um, got verbal consent for penetrative sex, but we, we probably need to seek that again for oral sex or moving through that sex act. Yeah, yeah. well, that's, that's the safest way. If you've met at a bar and you've gone home together, you know, I'd really love to have sex with you. And they say, yeah, I'd want you too. And oh, I'd love to touch your breasts and kiss them. Are you okay with that? And she'd say, yeah, that'd be great. And it might feel a bit uncomfortable at first, particularly for people that aren't confident around talking about sex or if you've grown up with parents who were ashamed of sex or very strict mm. about sex or had very religious views that might not have been sex positive or all kinds of things. Or if you'd been maybe as a female slut-shamed in the past, yep. you might be scared of actual acting sexually 
assertive or sexually like you like it because then you might be slut shamed again. Mm. So there's so both both partners need to learn the art of communication and conversation as part of sex. Yes. Mm. Absolutely. Yeah. And uh I suppose we need to look at, from a younger age, maybe in schools, about the kind of Madonna whore dynamic that runs through society that makes Mm. it unsafe for people. Whereas, you know, some boys are raised to think, well, you protect the good virginal sweet girls as long as they don't wear a short skirt or do anything out of line. And the sluts will they get what they deserve. Like there's still that undercurrent mm. in Australian society mm. that, yep. yeah. yeah. So, so, but what, what they've shown around the world, they've had exhibitions in museums of what women who have been sexually assaulted were wearing at the time of the crime. And a lot of them were wearing tracksuits and long covered up clothes. It really doesn't matter. It's Women are not asking for it. Neither are men. No one's asking for it. Doesn't matter what you wear. Doesn't matter any of those things. Where you're hanging out, or if you've drunk a lot, or anything like that. We've got to get away from thinking that's ever an invitation. Yes. Yeah. I completely agree with that, Gabrielle. And it will be very interesting to see how this uh, plays out once the laws are passed and and we start we start seeing hopefully a rise in convictions for genuine. Absolutely. Assaults. So, yeah, people start uh, using your words is our advice to you today from two days past this announcement. We will come back to this topic at some point in Lipstick After Dark, but uh, that's where we're leaving it today. Gabrielle, thank you so much for your insight on this important topic. You're totally welcome. And remember, everyone, enthusiastic consent is sexy. Sometimes cheeky, always fun. It's After Dark, right here on Newcastle Live Radio. They don't come a lot more successful than Napoleon Hill. Napoleon Hill was of the belief that holding on to your seminal fluid and allowing that sexual energy to take hold around your body each and every day added to your success and your ability to focus. Tonight on Lipstick After Dark, we're introducing Luke Skews, who is a bit of an expert on holding on to semen or seminal retention. Luke, welcome to Lipstick After Dark. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, I'm very excited to get into this topic with you. So can you explain the concept of semen retention to everybody? Yeah, for sure. So semen retention, I guess, um, is a belief, that, and there's a lot of ancient spiritual belief around um, semen retention and that it holds a lot of your masculine energy. It's called gin or in some ancient beliefs, um, and the idea is that you know holding on to your ejaculative fluids can give you um, more confidence, more self-control, less anxiety and depression, can sort of in- increase your motivation, vitality, and it's all about really um, absorbing sexual desire and sexual stimulation in the world around you Mm. and bringing that back inside and transmitting it to be like an inner power force. Yeah, okay. It's very interesting. And I've done some reading on it because as we do, we have to research before we do interviews. So the things I find myself researching these days are (laughs) always a little bit left of centre, but I'm enjoying it nonetheless. 
And seminal retention is different to the no-fap movement, which is basically more or less celibacy. It's a different thing, isn't it? So it's, yeah, it's about, there is some research around that says that if you are sort of masturbating too frequently or, or ejaculating too frequently, that it can actually give you brain fog and you're not as sharp mentally because the body is wired that after you have ejaculated that your job is done. Mm. Yeah, so you kind of switch off a little bit, uh, which yeah. I found interesting. So, yeah, yeah. the next time but someone I, around me forgets something, I'll know what's going on. <laughs> yeah, they've had a few. They've popped off a few many times. But, um, <laughs> yeah, it's that, it's that caveman um, brain mentality. And, like, we, we are wired from those caveman days to, um, you know, feed the world almost, like back, you know, in our wiring days, we were an extinct species. So we were, you know, having caveman sex. We were trying to have as much sex as quickly as possible, as often as possible, and, and you know, keep the species alive. Mm. But that's not so much the case anymore. The case now is more around connection and pleasure from sexuality and sex. And the goal of orgasm kind of gets in the way a lot of the time when it comes to intimate connection with yourself and with the world around you. And a lot of people have, you know, a lot of men have almost an addiction to ejaculation. Like they get an addiction to that brain fog or that um, my job's done sort of thing. Mm. Does that make sense? It certainly does, yeah. I'm really interested in the concept of, I guess, we all think that the end game of um, any sexual encounter is orgasm or ejaculation in the male case. But... This practice is about pleasure and it's not necessarily about no orgasm either, is it? No. So there's lots of different um, techniques available out there for um, to be able to have multiple non-ejaculatory orgasms as a as a man, as a biological man. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's breathwork techniques that you can do. There's um, stimulatory techniques that you can do. Um, there's edging. Um, are you familiar with the concept of edging at all? Certainly am. So that's when you get right to the edge and you pull back, yes? Yeah. So there's one really simple technique, and it's a little bit, um, it's a little bit um, controversial, but there's uh, a technique that you can sort of, um, you know, get yourself to say towards like 60 to 70% of your way to an orgasm and then you can stimulate the perineum which is the space between the testicles and the anus Um, and you can really push quite hard on that point and it it stimulates the muscles that would normally be contracted during an orgasm to give you the sense, like almost fake it till you make it, like if you want to see what it's like to have a non-ejaculatory orgasm and know that it's still really pleasurable, Mm. you can give that technique a bit of a try so that you can see the benefit of, you know, still finding pleasure without ejaculation. If we were to, I mean, this is this is obviously something. How did you come across it in your uh, line of work? It's obviously something that you have read about, studied, and possibly experimented with. So, how did it? What What do you see as being the benefits to you? Well, me personally, um, my wife and I have a business in intimacy coaching Mm. um, and we use it to um, ignite our sex magic. We use it to manifest our goals. We use it to, um, you know, 
put power behind making what we want to become a reality. So we often use our sex magic, which would be, you know, non, not always um, ejaculatory sexual pleasure to, you know, bring energy and vitality to the things that we're doing in our business and in our world. So we'll quite often use, um, you know, sex and um, Mm. intimacy to light ourselves up and light our light up so that we can do that. And if you're just going to, you know, ejaculate and then your job's done, then that's going to be a fairly limited um, resource, I Mm. guess. Yeah. And do you find, do you find that you're sharper? Yes, I do. I do find that I'm sharper. Um, I still find that, um, you know, I'm sexually alive. I can still, you know, to use a colloquial term, I'm still horny. Yeah. Um, and I'm still stimulated by sexually by the world around me. But I'm sharper in knowing that it's a conscious choice for when I do ejaculate. Like, there's, there's a thing around this called, you know, ejaculatory shame. You know, there's some people that sort of get on there mm. on a mighty horse of, you know, I, I, I have multiple multiple non-ejaculatory orgasms, you know, if you just come all the time and you're a bit of a caveman. But it's not the case. It's, it's kind of just practicing different ways of being. It's a conscious choice around how you want to practice your sex, I guess. Yeah. And if people wanted to investigate this a little bit more, where should they start? Um, well, there's some incredible books out there. Like you said, Napoleon Hill's Think and Grow Rich, Chapter 11, Transmutating Sexual Energy in Business, mm. is um, it's like one of the most famous self-help books in time. But that one chapter is like the, the least publicized chapter in the book, but it's my favorite chapter. Yeah. Um, there's another book by um, David Dieter called The Way of the Superior Man. Um, it um, talks about this a lot in towards the, the back chapters. Urban Tantra is a really amazing book. Um, if people are into reading, if people are into listening, then um, Cindra and I have our podcast called The Relationship Show. We've got a couple of episodes where we talk about this. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And you also do, so you do relationship coaching. So if people wanted to reach out to you, Luke, how would they go about doing that? Um, the best point of call would be to go to Instagram at Conscious Couples Coaching and just check out the link in the bio there. It's got all of the links for all of our services and information. That is fabulous. And I did have a little bit of a look around your podcasts in the last week and there are some absolutely fascinating subjects on there. So everyone, if you want to educate yourself on sex and love and relationships, this is a great, great podcast to go to. But have a look at their Instagram and I think the link is there to your podcast, isn't it, Luke? That is, yeah. Excellent. That was Luke Skews on an absolutely fascinating subject. You're listening to Lipstick After Dark. Fancy a quickie? Nikki from Flirt Adult Store joins us with this week's hot sex toy tip on Quickie with Nikki on After Dark. Feel like a quickie? We've got you covered. It's time for Nikki from the Flirt Adult Store to join us once again for the Quickie with Nikki. How are you this week, my love? I am so good and I am so ready to bring you guys the best show ever. Love that. What are we talking about this week? Today, we're going to be talking about clitoral stimulators. Oh, okay. You have my attention. They are my ride or die. They're my favourite. 
Obviously, we know about that, like we use them for solo play, but you are a big believer in bringing them into couples play as well, aren't you? A hundred percent. A hundred percent. Yeah. I believe that all toys should be brought into couples play. They're a fantastic solo play, but in the bedroom, using them together, it can help achieve a really great orgasm for those women who can't actually have a G-spot orgasm. Mm, Right. Yes. Which we're not all blessed with that. That's right. So there are, I did, I did a little bit of research as you do. So there are 8,000 nerve endings in the clitoris, Mm -hmm. aren't there? There's so many. Yeah. And boys only have 4,000 in their penis. So I think we won that one. We definitely won that one. The clitoris is a fantastic thing. It really, when stimulated right, can be a really good leg-shaking, out-of-body experience orgasm. And that's why we're talking about this today because we want each and every one of the listeners to have that mind-blowing orgasm where you really don't even have to take your shirt off. (laughs) You can just have it you know, have it there and they're done within like, you know, less than five minutes. It's a, they're fantastic things, clit stims. So it really is a quickie. You can get it, oh get it over and done within five yeah. minutes and yep. go on yep. with your day with a big smile. 100%. Yep. Mm. Right. So where should we start when we're looking to stimulate our clitorises? So I would say always, first and foremost, touch yourself, see what you like, get really comfortable, get relaxed clean hands, lubrication, because obviously um, the clitoris doesn't lubricate. So you want to have some lubrication for that to make it a little bit more when you're doing a round motion, a little bit less friction. So Mm. I would say touch yourself. And then once you're feeling it, go and you're confident enough, pop into your local float adult store and talk to the staff there about the amazing range of clitoral stimulators that we have in stock. I've got one here today. This is the Satisfier Pro 2. This is hands down my favorite toy. I actually have two. So if one runs out of charge, I've got another one ready to go. (laughs) I don't want to miss out on that orgasm. But this toy here is airflow technology. It has like a thudding motion. Ooh, yep. We can hear that. It's got like a really loud motion. So um, a lot of people think these are clit suckers. These actually have airflow technology. So it's not going to suck the sweet spot. It's literally just going to almost create like a massage as if it's like oral sex. So these toys Fast are, oral sex by the oh sound of that. Oh my God. Yeah. I haven't actually gotten to the highest setting on mine yet because it is a little bit too Intense. high. Yeah. <laughs> and especially having 8,000 nerve endings there, I'd like to meet someone who has because I would shake their hand. Um, but they're <laughs> fantastic. They're non-penetrational, so which is fantastic. So if you don't want anything in there, you don't have to. They're super easy to use. They're super easy to clean. And if you wanted to even add a gel stimulant or a oil stimulant, you can do that. And those stimulants that you can add to it either have a cooling effect or a warming effect. So you're adding a little bit of extra stimulation as well as your toy and you're going to have to hold that bed girl because the orgasm is going to be insane. Right. So just to explain to everybody at home, Nikki has held this up. It looks like it looks like one of the face massages. It does. A telephone. A telephone. It and looks it, like anything. It, that's the best thing. It doesn't actually look like a toy. So if you forget after you've cleaned it and you leave it next to your you know, your basin in your bathroom and you've got someone come over, unless they know what it is, they're not going to know what it is because it doesn't at all look like a sex toy. It really, really does cute. not. It's very cute, very compact, and it's rose gold, yeah. which is my colour. I love, love her. Ro- love rose gold. <laughs> all right. I love her. 
Sounds like a fun time for all. Nikki, thank you so much for this informative chat, ladies. Pop in to the Flirt Adult Store and have a look at the amazing range of stimulation that they have on offer for you. As always, thank you, my friend, for joining us on Lipstick After Dark. Thanks for having me. Sometimes cheeky, always fun. It's After Dark, right here on Newcastle Live Radio. You can't say that we don't deliver on our promise to give you bang for your buck every Thursday night here on Lipstick After Dark. But I think I need a cigarette after tonight. How about you? We'll see you back here. Same bat time, same back channel next week. I've been Louise Wilkinson. Thank you for your company. And here's my lipstick kiss. Good night. Till next week. You're listening to Newcastle Live Radio. Grab your wine, put your headphones on and relax. It's time to rip open the cover of the sealed section and delve deep. But be warned, it's adults only. It's After Dark with Louise Wilkinson from 8pm every Thursday night. Only on Newcastle Live Radio. 